You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Take your Bible with me and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Today we're going to study the life of the great apostle. Started over 20 New Testament churches. Wrote 14 or 15 books of the New Testament. My hero. The apostle Paul. What an influence and an impact that he has had on multitudes of Christians throughout the years, how his epistles have spoken into our hearts. Today I'm going to cover the subject on how to deal with controversy. Have any of you ever been caught in a controversial situation? Can I see your hand? How many of you here have ever found yourself in conflict? How many here have ever been criticized? Oh, there I go. So I guess it's a pretty practical message today, even though we've all experienced those three things. But never was there a man that experienced controversy, conflict, and criticism more than the Apostle Paul, but he stayed faithful to God in the midst of all of it. I kind of made a joke on Wednesday night as I shared what I thought the Lord would have me to preach on today, and obviously he did lead me in this direction. But I said, you know... Never was there someone who experienced more conflict in his life than the Apostle Paul, except perhaps Donald Trump. (laughs) But to be honest with you, I've never seen anything like we're seeing now, the attack upon our president. I was very critical of our former president and the policies that he held. But I respected the office of the president. Never have I seen such malicious attacks upon our president. It breaks my heart. And when Kathy Griffin took a severed head of our president, covered in blood, and held it up, that was no joke. I've never seen anything cross the line in America as that crossed the line. I want you to understand something. There are many, many enemies of the truth. They abound everywhere. They are outside the church and they are also within the church. And the Apostle Paul faced these, minist- these enemies every time he turned around. So I want to begin here in verse 1. What's the first word? We. Okay, I'm going to include you in this. It says, we are workers together with him. The Bible says that if you are a Christian, are you a Christian here today? Say amen. Amen. Then the Bible says you are a minister of Christ. You have been called into the ministry. As I have been called into the pastor, you have been called into whatever ministry that God has gifted you in. We are all ministers of Christ who know him as our Savior. We then, as workers together with him, we beseech you, we beg you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain, the saving grace. God saved you for you to minister for him. 
Let's turn this down just a little bit, okay? Thank you. Verse 2. For he saith, I have heard in a time accepted, and in a day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Lord would have all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. But again, once you come to that truth, look at verse 3. Giving none offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Life is not about us. It's about the ministry that the Lord has called us into. And none of us should do anything in our lives or through our message that would bring blame or reproach upon the name of Christ and the ministry that he has called us into. It says in verse 4, But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Paul said, I am one of those ministers. Although his ministry was always called into question. He said, In much patience, in what? Affliction, in necessities, in distress. And right now you're saying, Well, don't sign me up for that ministry. In stripes, imprisonments, in tumults or riots, in labors, in watching and fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. You better make sure you have your armor on, ministers. Now verse 8. By honor and what? Dishonor. There are some people that will honor you, but then there's those who will dishonor you. By an evil report and a what? A good report. Some will give an evil report of you and your ministry. Others will give a good report of you and your ministry. As deceivers? Yet what? Paul was always called a deceiver. As unknown, yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live. As chastened, he's not talking about the chastisement of the Lord. He's talking about chastening that he received at the hands of, in many cases, brothers and sisters in Christ. And not killed. As sorrowful, some things in the ministry will break your heart. Amen? Amen? If you've ever been involved in the ministry and working with people and bringing forth the truth and trying to help them, there's things that will break your heart in the ministry. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Dave White, would you pray for us, please? So let's try to do this today. Let's try to learn some life's lessons from the Apostle Paul on how to deal with controversy when it comes into our lives, how to deal with conflict when it raises its head, and how to deal with criticism when those who don't particularly love us too much bring it to us. The Bible says all those that live godly, if you want to live godly, we heard about that this morning in our Sunday school lesson. Sacrifices of righteousness. If you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, are you still with me? 
The Bible says you will suffer persecution. You will. So as you live out your faith and as you speak the truth and as you try to speak the truth into people's lives because you love them and because you care about them, it isn't always well received. Sometimes terrible accusations and slander and criticism will come to you simply because you're trying to speak the truth. And I want to say something to you here before we go any further. Don't quit the ministry. When these things happen to you, don't quit the ministry. I had someone come to me just this week, and they're out there in the world. They're, it's a Christian man that's out there in the world, and he works kind of in a shop environment. And this is what he said to me. He said, Pastor, you would not believe how I am persecuted for my faith. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus. You try to be what God wants you to be. You try to be salt. You try to be light in a dark world. And I guarantee you, you're going to face controversy. I guarantee you, you're going to face conflict. I guarantee you, you're going to face criticism for the cause of Christ. The book of Acts records the missionary career of the Apostle Paul. And what was it constantly marked by? Controversy, conflict, and criticism. It was a never-ending battle for the Apostle Paul until the day he gave his life for Christ. At the end of his life, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, at the end of his faithful life, never quit. I'm serious, if I would have been Paul, I would have quit. But he never quit. Here at the end of his life, he's sitting in a cold, dark prison. He didn't even have a coat to put around himself. He is cold. He didn't have his Bible with him. Didn't have his parchments. And he's sitting there in this lonely, cold prison. And he says these words, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said, and then he says that, amazing. Then he kind of goes back a little bit in his, now remember, he is writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord rewarded him according to his works. He said, he hath Greatly withstood our words. Now, listen. He said at first, when he first went into the ministry, he said at first, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Why didn't anyone stand with him as he began his ministry? Because of all the criticism. Because of all the conflict because of of all the controversy that was swirling around the Apostle Paul. He said, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Wouldn't that be enough for you just to pack up and quit? Not one person to support him in the ministry God had called him to. All men forsook me. I pray that God may not lay this to their charge. Notwithstanding, though all men forsook me, the Lord did not forsake me. But the Lord strengthened me, 
that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all Gentiles might hear. And then he says this, And I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. Do you think that was a real lion that he was talking about there? Like he was delivered from some den of lions? No. What was he talking about when he said, I was delivered from the mouth of the lion? He was delivered from all those who brought this conflict, all those who brought this criticism, all those that brought these attacks upon him. God delivered him. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is trying to devour you. He is trying to destroy you in the work, in the ministry that God has called you to. And one of the ways he does that is through these controversies, through these conflicts, through these criticisms that we have to endure for the cause of Christ. Fear wells up in our hearts. And we want to be accepted by people, and so we just shut down. You know what's happened to the church of Jesus Christ today? We have shut down. Why have we shut down? Because we have become the brunt of controversy in this world. We have become the brunt of conflict. We have become the brunt of criticism. Talking to another man yesterday at an open house, he said, you know, it's just amazing to me that you cannot speak evil against anyone or anything except Christianity. Have you ever stopped to really ponder on that for a moment? If you speak ill of anything else, you are considered a racist. But if you speak against Christ, if you speak against Christianity, that's all okay. Does this show you who's behind this whole thing? Absolutely. We understand that. It is not surprising that through the epistles of Paul, when I talk about epistles, I'm talking about letters that he wrote to churches and individuals that he records these controversies, he records these conflicts, he records these criticisms that he received and how he dealt with them. When Paul wrote a letter to the churches, what he was doing was writing in response to specific sin issues that had developed in these various churches. Are there sin issues in our church? I want to guarantee you, there's sin issues in our church. I'm going to preach on it from this pulpit. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to address it. I've learned that that's the best way to stop it. The Apostle Paul couldn't be in all of his churches. He said, those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches... So because he was not able to be at all the churches that he had established, he would write letters to address the sin issues that had arisen in these churches. Among the many problems, the many sin issues. You know why we have sin issues in our church? Because we have sinners here. Won't heaven be a sweet place? But among the many sin issues that Paul had to deal with in his churches, he was continually dealing with with these individuals who are constantly confronting him, the mouths of lions roaring against him, against his ministry, and trying to destroy his preaching, trying to destroy his teaching. As ministers of Christ, 
Who's the minister of Christ? Raise your hand. You're a minister of Christ? Okay. As ministers of Christ, we are going to be we are going to be the objects of slander. Light and darkness don't mix well. Salt stings in an open sinful wound. But we are going to be the objects of slander. We are going to be the objects of personal attacks. So as you are trying to live out your faith to the pleasure and glory of God, be ready. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know what, I'm not experiencing any of these things, then you're not living out your faith and you are not being vocal for the cause of Christ. These attacks. These attacks. These conflicts. These criticisms. Came from unbelievers. But the majority of them came from believers. That's tough. People that you never would think would oppose the ministry, Satan will use to oppose the ministry. This has been a reality since the days of the apostles. It continues to this very day. We are called upon. I am called upon. Do you understand this? As your pastor, I am called upon to be the guardian of the truth here in this church. God has called you to be the guardian of truth wherever he has placed you. God has called us to speak the what? Truth. To speak the truth. Now, look up here with me. If I love you, what am I going to tell you? I'm going to tell you the truth. Remember the prophet who the king and all the people said, we hate this prophet because he's always telling us the truth. Why would you love someone that tells you a lie and you would hate someone who tells you the truth? That makes no sense whatsoever. However, as you speak the truth, as you seek to live out that truth in your life, it will not always be well received. Some people become very malicious and very hostile and will oppose you. As I stopped and really thought about this, I thought about if we would have all lived during the time of the Apostle Paul, we probably would not appreciate him as much as we do today. Why? Because everywhere he showed up, there was trouble. Yes or no? If you don't believe that, I'm going to take you through Acts and through 1st and 2nd Corinthians. I'm going to preach three books of the Bible to you today. No, we won't have appreciated him so much. Probably, probably, I hope not, but probably many of us would have believed the slanderous rumors that we heard about the Apostle Paul. Many of, of us would have accepted without question the evil reports. Paul 
was without a doubt the most controversial person of his day. Outside and inside the church. We may honor the apostle today. Do you honor him today? But if you lived back then, would you let him come into your home? Would I, as a preacher, let the most controversial religious leader of the day into my pulpit? I doubt it. All of the accusations, all of the conflicts, all of the criticisms that came against the Apostle Paul were false charges. Every one of them. False charges, but believed among the majority of the people. They were unjust criticisms. They were distorted facts. And all of these things came from people who had wrong motives. See, only people that have wrong motives stir up trouble like this. Paul's letters were filled with these specific controversies, conflicts, and criticisms. And so we receive some very valuable insight on how to deal with these when they come into our lives. If we will respond as the Apostle Paul responded by the grace of God, if we will respond in the same way, God will be glorified. Hello. God will be glorified. Our testimonies will be preserved and the ministry will be safeguarded. But we have to respond to these things as God would have us to, giving none offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. I want to tell you something. Listen to me, church. Sometimes you just have to stand up for the truth and put on the whole armor of God and lift up the shield and let the darts fly. We pick up the life of the Apostle Paul. We pick it up in the book of Acts. We talked about his uh, missionary career. In the book of Acts is where we find all the attacks that came upon his life from unbelievers. Now, you know what I love to do as a teacher? I love to read every one of these verses. But I can't. I, seriously, I can't. I just have to pick out the highest. I mean, there's so many. And I am not addressing all of the controversies, all the conflicts, and all the criticisms. I'm just addressing a few of them but it will give you a flavor of what's going on here. In Acts chapter 13, the Bible said that he was persecuted and expelled out of the coast. In chapter 14, the Bible says that the unbelievers stirred up the Gentiles' minds, the Jews, unbelieving Jews, stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and caused their minds, listen to what it said, caused their minds to be evil affected against Paul. Causing them to think evil about this man. As we continue on in chapter 14, we find that they drug him out of the city, they stoned him and left him for dead. In Acts chapter 16, they laid many stripes on him. In Thessalonica, a riot breaks out. All the people were stirred up because of Paul's preaching of the word. And they immediately had to remove him for fear of his life. 
As we continue on in Acts chapter 17, we find that many mocked his message, mocked him. In Acts chapter 18, we find that they opposed him and they blasphemed. But he just shook off his raiment and went to another place. Continued preaching. We find later on in Acts chapter 18 that there was a massive insurrection against Paul and they arrested him and brought him to the judgment seat. In Acts chapter 19, the Bible said the people's attitudes were hardened and they refused to believe and they spoke evil of the way that Paul was preaching. In Acts chapter 21, he was arrested again in Jerusalem because those in authority thought that the Jews were going to kill him. we got to arrest this guy or they're going to kill him. And so he's arrested. The chief captain, after his arrest in chapter 22, commanded that he be examined by scourging. In Acts chapter 22, he is brought before the Sanhedrin. In Acts chapter 23, listen to these words. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together... And they made a bond with them among themselves, put themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Well, they went pretty thirsty and hungry, didn't they? So we continue on in Acts chapter 23. He's arrested. He's thrown in prison for two years. He gives an appeal to Governor Felix, to Governor Festus, to King Agrippa. And that's when King Agrippa said, Almost thou what? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. King Agrippa sends him to Rome, that Caesar himself could listen to the charges that had been brought against the Apostle Paul. On the way to Rome, he suffers shipwreck. He is bitten by a venomous viper. He is marooned on the island of Milta for three months. Upon their rescue, he's brought to Rome, he's put in chains, and he's chained to a Roman soldier for two more years. How'd you like to be chained to the Apostle Paul for two years? <laughs> Bet you a lot of those guys got saved. What do you think? Amen. But when Paul was finally released from prison, guess what he did? He retired, sat down in his lazy boy, turned on the TV, and let others carry the torch. You know what he did? Come on, church, what did he do? He went right back into the ministry. And for six more years, he faces all of these accusations. Finally, he is arrested under persecution that broke out under Nero, and he is beheaded for the cause of Christ. I am now ready to be offered. You know what I have to say to all that? Wow. That's just the conflict and criticism that he received by the hands of unbelievers. What about all the attacks that he had to endure from believers? Dealing with controversy, dealing with conflict, dealing with criticism from unbelievers, I, I, I guess that can be expected. But when it comes from your brothers and sisters in Christ, 
That's a whole nother thing. And you listen to me. Shame on you. Shame on you. That bring conflict and criticism into the church of Jesus Christ. As Paul said, may the Lord reward you according to your works. That is a detestable thing. It is something that should never happen among the children of God. But it happens all the time. Shame on you for discouraging someone else in the ministry that God has called them to. So disheartening. So break your heart. Daniel mentioned David this morning. Great Sunday school lesson, by the way, Daniel. I always thought, you know, Daniel needs to be the next pastor of this church. He wouldn't even have to change the letterhead. I'm going to tell you, I can feel along right now with these words of David, Psalm 55. It was not an enemy that reproached me. Then could I, I could have borne that. It was, neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. I, I understand. It's going to come from unbelievers. Then would I have hidden myself from him. But it was thou, a man my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. We, we used to worship in church together. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. What, what, I never did a thing to him. He hath broken his covenant. I want to tell you something. When you become a member of Fellowship Baptist Church, we enter into a covenant relationship with one another here in this church. See, he had broken his covenant. Very interesting here. It says, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter. He was such a nice guy. Can I tell you something? Watch out for those nice guys. Some of the nicest guys have done me the greatest harm. You know why Phil Westheimer has never harmed me in the ministry? Because he's never nice to me. <laughs> you better watch out to those who will slap you in the back and stab you in the heart. Smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. Jealous, bitter, prideful. You know, some of the most prideful people appear to be so humble. Smoother than butter, war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil. Yet were they drawn swords. David said, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. 
He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Hallelujah. You know what's kept me in the ministry all these years? It's Jesus. He's kept me here all these years. Where did all of this conflict and criticism come from? Carnal believers. Butter oil, they appear so spiritual. Mm. War in their heart, drawn swords. Let me give you a little bit of background to the Corinthian church. This was the church that brought the majority of criticisms to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had founded this church and he had ministered in this church for 18 months. He had poured his life into leading these people to the Lord and establishing a local church. Upon leaving Corinth, he went to Ephesus. When he arrived in Ephesus, he heard about all of these sin issues that were in the church at Corinth. So he writes 1 Corinthians to try to correct these sin issues and address these sin issues. Matter of fact, it was in 1 Corinthians that he said, you are carnal. Boy, they like that. You are carnal. Sometime during his stay in Ephesus, after sending that first letter, he decided he was going to visit Corinth personally. I am going to deal with these sin issues on a personal basis. So he goes and confronts the sin issues that were in the church, meaning he had to confront people with their sin. And after he left, after dealing with these sin issues... Now, can I ask you a question? Shouldn't you appreciate someone who comes and tries to help you with the sin issues that you have in your life? Yes or no? How does that verse go? The kisses of an enemy are... How does that go? How does that go? The kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but the... Something about the wounds of a friend. How does that... Huh? Is that how it goes? Faithful are the wounds of a friend? I usually don't get tripped up on that. I'm, I'm getting older, by the way. Okay. Now I forgot where I was. So in First and Second Corinthians, these conflicts, these criticisms that Paul experienced are something he had to deal with. So when he left after his visit... Here, there was an all-out attempt made to destroy this man. To destroy his character, to destroy him personally, and to destroy his ministry. And that's when you read 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Now, in 1 Corinthians, there was a few of these attacks that came upon him. For example, they accused him of not being an apostle. They accused him, or they made him a spectacle or they made fun of him they called him a fool they called him weak they despised him they reviled him they persecuted him they defamed him they said he is the filth of the world and they said you are not our instructor in christ we are not listening to you and we are not putting ourselves under your ministry in chapter 9 and 10 they accused him once again of not being a true apostle and they said we will not follow the teachings of the apostle paul I want you to understand something. Paul denied every one of these accusations. None of them were true. He denied every one of them. 
And he had to defend himself. He had to defend the gospel. He had to defend his apostleship. And he even had to rebuke these individuals. Listen to what he said here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you still with me? He said, being defamed. He said, we were defamed. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made the filth of the world, the off-scourging of all things under this day. He was made that by the members of the church. He said, I write not these things to shame you, but to warn you. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Don't lift up your hand against God's anointed. You'll be in trouble. Paul said, I'm warning you, you, you keep this up. You are in trouble with God. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. It's kind of like when I've been your pastor your entire life. I was there when you were born. I was there when you got saved. I baptized you. I met. What are you doing? He said, Wherefore I beseech ye, be followers of me. Follow me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful to the Lord, who shall bring you to, into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ. As I teach everywhere, he's going to come and reemphasize my teachings to you. Now some are puffed up. As though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will. And then he asks a question, shall I come with a rod? Or should I come in love? I don't know. If the Apostle Paul has come to our church, I, I, I would say I'd take love. How about you? But the truth is, sometimes you also have to use the rod. In chapter 9, he says, Am, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? And not ye, are ye not my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yea, doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. My answer to them that do examine me is this. He said, this is what proves my call. This is what substantiates my preaching. This is what proves that is an apostle. He had to constantly go on the defense. And again, he said, be followers of me. I'm going I'm to run through this with you. We're in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. Come on, stay awake. I told Isaac, I said, you've got to keep that air on because I can tell people, you know, you start getting warm, I start losing, you start fading out. And uh, so he dropped it one degree. Okay, T today's one degree less than, than last week. I mean, it could never be my preaching that's putting you to sleep, could it? <laughs> Second Corinthians, are you ready for the rundown? Seriously, this will blow you away. They accused him of being insincere. 
having fleshly wisdom, walking in the flesh, not telling the truth, and being a coward. Chapter 2, they accused him of being insincere, offending people, making people feel bad. Go figure. Unloving, corrupting the word of God, and teaching false doctrine. Chapter 3, they accused him of not having letters of recommendation, or where is the proof of your ordination? They accused him of not being a true minister of the gospel and not being a good preacher. I'm glad he was accused of that too. Chapter 4, he is accused of being dishonest. Chapter 5, he is accused of being crazy. Overzealous and too sober. Crazy and too sober at the same time. I'm not sure how that works. In chapter 6, they accused him of bringing blame upon the ministry and not being a minister of Christ. Chapter 7, they accused him of wronging people, corrupting people, defrauding people, being too bold in his preaching, causing people to feel guilty, not, turning to com- not trying to comfort people as much as he should. In chapter 8 and 9, they accused him of pressuring people to give and rebuking them for not giving. Chapter 10, they accused him of being prideful, condemning himself, walking after the flesh, trying to terrify people by his letters, puffing himself up and being boastful. Listen to this one little excerpt here. For his letters, they wrote, for his letters are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. So how would we say it? Yeah, he's real weighty in his letters, but he's nothing but a little pipsqueak. Chapter 11, they accused him of not being a qualified apostle, of being offensive in his preaching, of robbing churches, of being a fool, and not being a true minister of Christ. In chapter 12, they accused him of being a fool. Remember when they always say, I'll be a fool for Christ? Remember that? Accused him of being a fool and not being an apostle, of being a financial burden to the church, taking advantage of the church financially. Chapter 13, they accused him of being a reprobate. All I can say to that is, wow. So again, he has to go on the defense. Listen to his defense. Do we begin again? Do I have to go through this again? Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we epistles of commendation to you? Do I have to show you my ordination certificate? By the way, I've never been ordained. I've never been ordained. For I suppose, he says, I suppose that I am not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. He said, I am right up there with Peter, James, and John. I'm right up there with the top apostles. He said, I should boast somewhat of my authority, which the Lord hath given me. He said, I speak concerning these reproaches. Are they ministers of Christ? I more. Am I become a fool in glorying, defending myself? Ye have compelled me. You have forced me to do this. I thought it's very interesting here. He said, I ought to have been commended of you. 
For in nothing I am behind the very chief apostles, though I be nothing. See, so what is he saying? He said, I'm, I'm nothing, but the ministry is everything. Do you understand this, church? I am nothing. You are nothing. The ministry is everything. If I had time this morning, I got 64 times, the Bible said, and Jesus answered them. Answered what? Their accusations. One time they said, you're a devil. He said, no, I'm not. Remember how Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, for this cause came I into the world. And not too long from now, you're going to see the Son of Man coming from the right hand of God the Father in power and great glory. You blaspheme. By the time Paul gets to chapter 13, go there with me. We're almost done. You know why we're almost done? Because that's the last chapter. By the time we get to chapter 13, Paul has all but had it. Before we read this chapter in his response to all of these accusations, all of these criticisms, all of these attacks, let me say this once again to you. My dear church family, don't be distracted by all the malicious, slanderous accusations that people will bring against you because of your message and the way you live your life. Live out your faith. Amen? Despite what the world says, live out your faith. Despite what carnal people say, those carnal people can be right in your own family. They can be your father. They can be your mother. They can be your siblings. They can be your grandma and grandpa, your aunts and uncles. Live out your faith. Be a defender of the truth. Whether it's friend, family, or foe. Be faithful to your God. Be faithful unto death. One day you'll be greatly rewarded for your faithfulness. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. How many of you have ever been tempted to quit? You know when pastors usually sign their letter of resignation? Monday morning. Don't quit. Don't quit. Let me ask you a question before I read the few verses out of this chapter. Why were these people, now, do they profess salvation? They're members of the Corinthian church. Matter of fact, in one place, Paul, Paul said, there's lots of false brethren here, by the way. Can there be false brethren within the church? Tares among God's wheat? Yeah. But why were, you answer this to me. Why were these people so upset with the Apostle Paul? What, 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 what had he done personally to them? Someone answer me. What? Nothing. 
The only thing that he had done was to tell them the truth and confront their sin. So why did they despise him and hate him so much? That's right. Chapter 13, turn there. He said, this is the third time. <laughs> One strike, two strikes, three strikes. You're getting it now. This is the third time I am coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Drop down in chapter 2. He says, I write to them which heretofore have what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about these sinners here. And to all other that if I come again, I will not what? I'm not going to spare. I'm going to, how would we say it? I'm going to let you have it. Does it bother you when sometime the preacher lets you have it? Does it bother you? It don't, it don't bother me either. I love it. Because usually I'm the one giving it out. But I love it when I'm not the one giving it out. That's what I go to church for. And then he says this in verse 3. Since ye seek proof, you want proof that I'm an apostle, I'm an instructor in Christ? See, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, I'll give it to you. Now drop down to verse 5. What's the first word? Amen. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Paul said this is not what Christians do. This is not how Christians act. This is not what Christians say. Verse 6. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not what? We're not reprobates like you accused us of being. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil. Not that we would appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth. We are apostles of the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak. You said we're weak, and you're strong. And this also we wish, even your what? Perfection. Okay? Right here. Do you know what my greatest wish is as your pastor? My greatest wish is not to fill this church building up with souls. It's not my greatest wish. My greatest wish is for you to be perfected in your faith. For you to be perfected in your faith. For you to be perfected in your faith. And I want to tell you, some of you are a challenge. Should I look at a few of you? All right, I got you. <laughs> Why do you have a preacher? For the perfecting of the saints. Verse 10. Therefore, because of this, I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness. So it's better that I'm writing this letter and being there personally right now.
He said, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not destruction. Paul wasn't trying to destroy these people. What was he trying to do? Perfect them. And then in my Bible, I don't know if you write in your Bible or not. If you don't, that's okay. I underline, I write in my Bible. I put a box around the last four verses and I wrote a gracious conclusion. He is so gracious in the words that he then gives to those who have been so mean and belittling of him and the ministry. Church, don't quit. Don't quit. There's some furious lions that we face out there. You know what I pray for our president? You know what I pray for him right now? Don't quit, Mr. Trump. Do you pray that for him? He's put a good agenda in place. He's taking us in the right direction as a nation. I'm saying don't quit. The lions are roaring, aren't they? But don't quit. And last night I listened to our vice president, President Pence, as he assured the American people our president is not going to quit. The worst thing that could happen to this nation is if our president quits right now. Do you agree with me? If he gives in to those roaring lions, it's, it's, it's over. The worst thing that could happen for us as a church is for you to quit. Persecution at work, for you to quit. Family coming up against you, for you to quit. You know what we're going to say? By the grace of God, we're going to endure. Until Jesus comes, we're going to live out our faith, and we're going to speak the truth. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.